Hola amigos and bienvenidos. Welcome back to another episode of La Vida Verde podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Human, And today is our first ever on location podcast. We are here outside the town of Naranjo at the farm of my good friend, Paul Zink, Finca Madre. And uh, Paul Zink is an agroforester. He is a fruit collector and he is the founder and CEO of Jungle Foods and the Jungle Project, which is a for-profit, non-profit hybrid organization uh, centered around trees, trade, and training uh, around fruit trees. So it's going to be a great show, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, Paul Zink, welcome to La Vida Verde podcast. Welcome to Finca Madre. What is that? So, so we're, yeah, we're here. This is your farm, or why is it called Finca La Madre, first of all? Uh, Finca Madre is a family farm owned by my, my mom and my brother and I, and we've been collecting all the fruit trees we could find and just home, kind of like a homestead. But yeah. yeah. And how big is it? Two and a half hectares or six acres. Nice. And we're outside the, what's the town, local towns are? Uh, Grecia, Naranjo, Atenas, kind of in the middle of all those. Okay. North of Alajuela, about 20 minutes of the airport area. Okay. Well, it's beautiful. And last time I was here, I, there was a lot of fruit trees, but I think there's a lot more now. They're definitely much bigger. I think it's been like 10 years since I... Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so last time I saw you was at Envision. Uh, we were presenting and cutting up fruit for people that's right what were you doing there how was that uh it was good yeah i was doing some presentations on on my company and uh agroforestry work and it was it was good to see you there and help help out with the fruit yeah the fruits okay so let's start from like first of all where are you from originally what brought you to costa rica and how long have you been here because you've been here i think as long as i have maybe uh i've been about 2007 i showed up did an internship at Earth University and then moved back 2011 full time and yeah it's been ever since. And Earth University is is um it's is a it... tropical agricultural school uh, based in the Caribbean side of Costa Rica and they focus on uh, a lot of sustainable practices and the traditional practices as well. So it's a it's a good one of the best. I call it the Harvard of tropical ag schools and so I learned a lot and was able to. Uh, be in classrooms with students from 45 plus different countries all over South and Central America and some parts of Africa. So it was a great experience. And so you were, you had heard about it beforehand. So you, you heard about it when you were, you're from the U.S., right? Yeah, I was doing an internship in college and what, I went to school? Antioch College in Ohio. Hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. I forgot you went to Antioch. And I wanted to go to this university, which is an agricultural school, but I was of you know work, studying film and I called them up and they said you, you you're not an agriculture student you can't come here so I went to their foundation which is in Atlanta they have Earth Foundation where they're raising funds and I called them and I said hey your videos are pretty outdated can I go do an internship and trade uh, at the university and I'll make some videos for you and they said okay so like I got to go and be like the only film student ever to really stay at Earth University and uh, I'm not the best student, I'm actually the worst student. And so I was actually, I was able to go and learn, ask the five most important questions to the different directors and different departments and learn a lot in a short period of time. And that's where you got interested in fruit trees or? I, I'm, I've always been allergic to things. And so since a young age, I've had to read what's on the ingredients of everything. So I'm allergic to it. I was nuts in it. So imagine an 11 year old reading 
the long paragraph of stuff in, at the food aisle. So I was at a young age confused what the food was. And then being from New York, I didn't see where it was grown. And so when I got to college, I was just fast, really curious, my curiosity to go and find out where it comes from. How does food grow? And so I studied New Zealand, wor- working, woofing, willing, uh, willing workers on organic farm. Mm-hmm. And many different countries later, I realized agroforestry, you know, f- agriculture with trees was the best, easiest, lowest amount of energy in, highest amount uh, energy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dedicated my, my studies mostly to agroforestry. Totally. Yeah. Per, uh, perennial, yeah. perennial yeah. food forest. And so you, and like how many, so how many different kinds of fruit trees would you say you have here? Oof, I have to do another count. I, I last I counted rough five years ago was hundred and now I've, I've just keep editing every year. So I don't know, not, not over 200 fruit trees, but definitely over 200 edible species of including all the edible leafy greens, perennial greens, and, um, the root tubers, turmeric varieties, ginger varieties, things like that. So yeah, so it's, it's a, they're my Pokemon. I got to catch them all. All the all the edible useful plants and it's just yeah that's a good it's a good thing to collect. I think we're both on the same we're both on <laughs> the same train. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I know you mostly as and I think most people in our circle know you mostly as the breadfruit guy. Like why why how did you become the breadfruit guy? That's uh, yeah. But I'm all about collecting all the different fruit trees. But breadfruit stood out to me as one of the missing links to. F- fixing a lot of the world's problems with uh, hunger, malnourishment, uh, climate change, the uh, poor treatment of, of farm workers. Breadfruit can be a tool for independence, for economic sovereignty and, and food sovereignty for so many different communities, especially island nations around the world in, in the tropics that are importing most of their food. Bread, one breadfruit tree can feed a family for for 75 years, meeting all their carbohydrate needs. So why are we planting more breadfruit? And so I went down that rabbit hole and it's, they're, they're seedless, they're difficult to propagate. And so I got in with this company that was really good at propagating it. And I learned all many different techniques, all of the above are good, uh, and started a nonprofit slash for-profit, uh, I can talk about later. Yeah, just dedicate to that. During my jungle, jungle foods, jungle project. Yeah. Let's talk about, we can talk about it right now. What's so what is, yeah, talk about got it. The, like, got the jungle foods representing here. Nice. Oh, I like that shirt. With a breadfruit on the back. Is that focused? <laughs> so, well, yeah, what is Jungle Foods and how did it kind of come about? It came out because you wanted to spread yeah. more knowledge about breadfruits and, and, and propagate, get these more propagated around the world so that you, to empower farmers, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, it's, so yeah, it's it can feed so many people. Why isn't it in the food system? It's such a great food, so nutritious, all these things that going for it. But so why isn't it everywhere? Farmers aren't growing it and people don't know what it is. And so they need, needed that. Uh, it's been the fish and uh, chicken and the egg the whole way because we have to it, convince farmers to plant it. And they say they will plant it, but the first question, all unanimously, all the farmers ask is who's going to buy it? Who's going to buy the fruit when, when it's being produced? I'll plant the tree. I'll plant a bunch of them, but who's going to buy it? And so right. I, I realized we I did a bunch of interviews with farmers, Gustavo and I, my partner. We realized that farmers don't need a handout. They need a, a consistent, fair buyer of their produce. Uh, and so we started Jungle Foods to kind of be that brand that could be purchasing the fruit and 
the profits go go to plant more trees and train more farmers. And so it's like this for-profit, non-profit hybrid. Do you purchase it from the from the from the producers, and then what? And then we make different products out of it. So we make started making chips at first, and then flour. Uh, grinding in the in flour allows us to make pasta, crackers, pancakes. So what do you see? Like, do you see this reaching into like um, households around the world, like getting into like all the products, like in jungle foods? Like, are you are you interested in wholesaling? Or are you in, are you actually like a, a retailer? Like, you want to be retailing? We've been we've been doing B two B for a while. And it's a uh, business to business. So we're going to do uh, B to C in the future, business consumer. Uh, for now, though, we're, it's a lot lower risk and we find uh, partners that are wanting to make a new product. And so we can supply the flour, help them with R&D, and they can launch market and distribute the product. And uh, we just want them to be sold. So we, we have worked on a, a pasta recently and we're waiting for the time to, to launch that. It takes an investment. And so that's naturally gluten-free. Yeah. Um, High dietary fiber, tons of minerals. It's a complete protein having all the 12 essential amino acids. Breadfruit is a complete protein? Yeah. Oh, see, I always thought for a long time that durian was the only fruit that was a complete protein. It contains all essential amino acids for, for human life. So it's super nutritious. Yeah. I mean, it was the staple crop in Polynesia for 11,000 plus years, really. I mean, it's kind of the staple crop that of... You think of the the Polynesian relaxed hammock life was made possible because of different plants that are so abundant, like breadfruit. Uh, you plant once, and then for the rest of your life, you're harvesting all the carbohydrates. You don't have to. You can plant a, a hectare of rice or a hect or a couple breadfruit trees, and you wait and you harvest for a long time. So you don't have that fertilizing tilling that rice or wheat takes. Right. Uh, it's a no brainer. So. And do you have to plant like multiple, like, cause I know with a lot of fruit trees, they kind of have a season. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you plant them in, in a way that they're planted in like succession where they are dropping at different times? Cause it's hard to get fruit trees to produce year round. Yeah. Uh, you can do that with to a certain extent, but it's always going to be you know, to the rainy season or dry season. They'll produce more or less. And so mostly you would, and they have one, one harvest a year. There's two harvests usually, sometimes three, two or three a year. And so then I guess the main thing is to store it would be like drying it or mm-hmm. producing chips and storing those flour, yeah. flour dehydrating, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Interesting. So I know in, in Hawaii, they call it Ulu. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to spend a lot of time on Maui and there's a place on Maui called Ulu Palakua. Oh yeah. Wait, do you know what that means? No. So it means it's, it literally means the place where the breadfruit ripens because it's way up the mountain. And they would harvest the breadfruits down around the island. And by the time they got up to this spot, the breadfruits would be ripe. So it's called Ulapalakua, the place where the breadfruit ripens. The first, I guess is the first in the, to ripen. And then it would go down the mountain sometimes or go up. Because, you know, in these, they would, in the Polynesian, these islands, they have like a, a, a belt, right. basically wrapping the whole island right. with these agriculture systems and breadfruit being them. And they'll be going up 100 meters or 200 meters or, or so on sea level. And so that'll kind of have different succession for harvesting times. Right, right. So they just kind of plant it along different parts of the island, and then that's how they eat. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, okay, and so, like, people can purchase trees from you as well? Like, you you live here year-round, or what's your... I've lived here for about 12 years year-round, and recently I've been traveling a lot more. For uh, the Jungle Project. Yeah, Jungle Foods, Jungle Project, and 
uh, expanding to other countries. And so I, I have a nursery here though, still, and obviously lots of, lots of fruit. I come back and I, you know, it's not, that's the best part about a food forest. You come back and there's more fruit than before. And so, yeah, uh, I have fruit trees. It's not, it's usually I focus on the on the rare fruit trees that you can't find mm-hmm. anywhere. Else. So there's another nursery like a grafted mango or avocado or lemon. I'm not I'm not worrying about that. I'm doing the the weird things that you can't find that easily because it's just what I needed. That's kind of how my nursery started. Mm-hmm. So any advice I can best advice I can give to anyone trying to start a new piece of land, make a tiny nursery first thing you do, and just plant all the cutting seeds you want in that little nursery. You take care of them. They're climatized already. They go in and so. That's what I did here. And then I would have 20 rare Champa deck seeds and I only need three. I only have space for three. And so I'd sell the other 17 to friends like you or, or gift them to folks that in trading. And, uh, I learned pretty early on though, that gifting trees doesn't work. My first 10 breadfruit trees, I gave away. (laughs) I gave them away. I thought, yeah, I'm going to give these trees to people. I felt so proud of myself and they all died. Oh, because people didn't have the passion. They didn't have any value. There's zero value. Right, so you have to give that or give them to people who you know or like... Even then, no, I give them to farmers that knew what they were doing. They have all the things and they someone just came by with a machete and chopped it because... It, but if it's worth 20 bucks at least or something, they'll go tell their, their guy like, hey, don't cut that down. That's 20 bucks worth. So your model is kind of similar to Finca Vida Verde. It's like you have like a farm where you're passionate about growing your fruit trees, but also... You have rental spaces for people. Just just one really nice space. So you're not looking to do retreats. You're just just a nice space. People, if you want to do a retreat here, and or anyone else, <laughs> please. It's 20 minutes from the airport. You know, an hour from Chepe, from San Jose, and you have the amen. What do you have for facilities? Uh, this right here, the really nice outdoor kitchen. I put all my energy into the fruit trees. Literally, the, the structures are still standing. Which is good. It's good. So yeah, people, you mostly you focus on your Airbnb rental yeah. to keep money coming in, so you can keep the fruit tree, keep the garden yeah. shop. So a lot of banana trees too. That's been a uh, you know a constant for a while in the fruit trees, uh, and then some fruit here and there. I used to sell at a farmers market, but okay. So what do you have a favorite fruit? Well, there's the favorite fruit. There's the the fruit that you grab on the on the desert island. Part. What's your favorite fruit right now, this week? Do you have one? There's a bunch here. I think it was uh, enjoying the oh, the Achachaitus, Missouri. Oh, yeah. It's a big bowl right here. You want to try one? Sure. Thank you. It's in the Garcinia. It's a New World Mangosteen relative. And uh, let's get some ASMR here. Hold on. Mm. You focus on that? That's really delicious. Mmm. Uh, I love Achachaitus. I actually have one in my farm, too. I got it from a seedling from Punta Mora. Where'd yours come from? Maybe... I don't remember actually. Uh, I might have gotten one from a, a Bolivian woman. You have a lot of like interesting trees. Every time I come here, you're telling me about something new. What was the thing you were telling me about the, today? Like the the garden uh, that wasn't a tree; it was a plant. But you're always getting plants from different places. What do you think is the like most unique plant you have here? Um, Eleagnus latifolia, silverberry, silverberry. Yeah, it's probably one of the. the the rarest it's usually when in like online literature i found it's only found wild in indonesia aha wild mm-hmm. interesting yeah someone brought me some seeds uh from thailand and i think they brought them in legally <laughs> we think so we hope yeah, so they were better. okay well um anything else what else do we want to share what's what's new for you what's anything good in life like uh yeah uh 
we've started working in Dominican Republic with breadfruit farmers there. And yeah. So you're international now. Yeah. And you're only, where? so where are you now? Like Costa Rica and Dominican Republic, yeah. but with plans to go. Plans to go other places. Yeah. Uh-huh. And can people buy your products? And they can't buy your products right now, or they can? Uh, not on a retail scale. Is unless you're there's a f- couple markets in the country uh, that can buy. I think Tina Masta is the Selva market there. You can buy the flour, but uh, you know it's a chicken or the egg. Like I said, we we have such a little amount of productions right now. We can't do large sales, mm-hmm. uh, and so we have to get get farmers interested, then get some market approval, find out if there's a market market pull. Then we can start make go back to the farmer and say, okay, we're going to buy some, we'll make we'll make some product, and we sell a little bit of that to see if there's that market approval, and then go back for more. And so right now we're at, we've kind of been going this like back and forth stage and scaling every time, uh, and it's difficult to do it organically though. So we're, we're we split up. We have a uh, fiscal sponsor, Kiss the Ground. Yeah, our friends in Venice, uh-huh. California. Yeah, they're they're the best, and uh, we've been able to raise grants and and donations through. Uh, their nonprofit uh, funnel to our farming training uh, and tree planting uh, program. So, yeah. That's... So how long has it been since you? So, because this is the problem is you've just started this project, and it takes years for trees to grow and produce. So, is this the problem? Is you've 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 assimilated the trees, but they're not quite producing yet, or you're still looking for more farmers to to offer space and grow the plant, grow the grow the fruits. Uh, no, there's lots of farmers ready to go. It's just need, we need funds to be able to go and and distribute the trees, train the farmers. We need grants, donations. Okay, yeah. grants and donations. And how can people look at the and tell people how can they give you a jungle project money? Jungleproject.com, and there's a link there, a donate button goes straight to kiss the grounds. Uh, it's easier to get to to the to our specific donate button like that. So it's a five hundred one c three. So if they're in the United States, for instance, it's a tax write off. Correct. Yeah. Oh, and that sounds like a lovely thing to donate to. Yeah. I mean, get one, like I said, one tree can feed a family of four. Imagine what 20 trees could do for a, for a small community. Uh, and then replanting hundreds of these trees to be able to, to also be able to sell the surplus. And so that creates economic diversity for them as well as diversity in their farms. So we're all about agroforestry, no monocultures. and well, or, Yeah. Just why don't you, for people that don't know, what would you, what is agroforestry? Agroforestry is agriculture with trees. Uh, Just pretty simple. Usually something that's not a monoculture. um, And it can be kind of watered down, not that diverse, you know, two tree systems. uh, But they're also better than just a monoculture. Right. Coffee with some shade plants growing around them. uh, That's an agroforestry system. But there's many different complexities to that. Like this is a one large agroforestry system. Right, because you have multiple diver- a diversity of, yeah. you know. It's not necessarily for production. This is more like a germoplasm collection of different fruit trees. Right, kind of the way I yeah. see mine too. The f- I wanted to touch on like the feeling you get when you're inside a food forest. If you've ever been, you know, at different people's friends' farms, you know, you land at uh, Punta Mona or uh, some really amazing food forest of a, 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 lo- a local farmer, or just even the grandma who has got her, her garden with the lemon and the, tamarind and all the different things right there densely packed together you feel comfortable your shoulders relax you feel kind of taken care of because you're in a system that's being taken care of by humans and then the system's taking care of humans right that's one of the things i think i've noticed more than anything about my life at finca vita verde is 
like the amount of like there's not there's no words that can can exactly no words that can really describe the comfort you get when you're surrounded by food and you know that there's food around yeah. and and it's this kind of unconscious thing that i think people tend to walk around feeling most of the time is like this kind of unconscious um fear of where is my next meal going to come from or how am i going to get water especially if you don't know much about trees or or growing food because then it's even like i feel like that you're in a vulnerable space like if 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 this whole system our current modern system crashed for instance which god forbid but if it did like there'd be a lot of people that would not know what to do where to go how to eat like it would get it would get weird for people but like like that's i think that's where that comes from so when you are in a place where people are taking care of the land and the fruit trees are full of fruit then you maybe that's is that maybe i think that for me that's what i experience yeah. okay and so um you're also you're a big tick uh tiktoker i was i kind of fell off you fell off the tiktok way yeah i just i had fun with it for a while but um, i'm not doing it as much maybe i'll pick it up again what is it at Paul Zink with the with the line the line on the bottom part. Paul underscore No Paul Paul Zink underscore. Z I N K The long line at the bottom. Not, not Z I N C not like the mineral. Yeah. Like the zinc. Like the man. Paul <laughs> Zink. Okay. Um well thank you, Paul. It's been super fun. And um I guess we'll we'll continue to follow Jungle Foods. If you're interested in supporting Jungle Foods, uh you can follow his uh instructions and go go to kiss the ground. No, Jungle Foods. Jungleproject.com. Jungleproject.com. You can follow Paul Zink and uh Jungle Jungle Project C R on Instagram and stuff like that. And we'll be posting about uh, the trees that we got from Paul. Um We'll do some posts about that on our own Instagram, Finca underscore Vida underscore Verde. You can follow the Vida Verde podcast on YouTube. We also have a Patreon because we also need support to keep our technology. We're using minimal technology here, folks. We need better technology to support our podcast um, at patreon.com, La Vida Verde podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Human. This is Paul Zink. On behalf of La Vida Verde podcast, thank you, Paul, for having us. Welcome. All right. Ciao, everybody. Pura Vida.